And like in America, we want to be so independent. We want to be so cut off from other people. We don't want to think that we owe anything to anyone right. or that we're responsible for anything. Mm-hmm. On it. And like you see it in the advice that people give in self-help. It's just all about like cutting people from your life if they're not adding to your life. Wow. If they're not if they're not rooting you on, if they're not doing stuff for you, then you don't need them. But like they might need you. Wow. Like, Welcome to episode four of Hope Between the Lines. My name is Dan Herod, and it is a privilege to be with you on this very fine day. In just a moment, you're going to jump into a pretty compelling conversation that I got to have with comedian Taylor Johnson. He is funny, and you'd hope so if he's a comedian, and he's also so much more. I'm excited to have you as part of this conversation today. Let's jump right in. Welcome, Taylor Johnson, to the Hope Between the Lines podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, dude, I have been waiting for this moment because you are one of the funnest people that I've had the privilege of meeting in my entire life. Wow. Oh, my goodness. I wish you would have saved that for the end, because now I feel like you've set up some expectations. Everyone else is going to be like, this better be the most fun person I've ever heard. (laughs) And that's why you're one of the funnest people I've I've met, because you've got a way of looking at life that is insanely refreshing, that makes people want to lean in and just kind of be a part of the, the fun with you. So I can't thank you enough for carving out the time to be a part of this conversation. I I really do consider it a privilege. So again, thank you one million plus one billion, which in real currency is worth nothing. So I hope hope you treasure that. (laughs) I do, I really do. That means a lot. So many imaginary zeros. Yeah, (laughs) it's like the federal government, you know? We just keep making more of them, right? Anyways, so uh, starting off with laughter, I think is just a key strategy in my life, and and I'm not. Uh, I guess I. How do I say this? I think laughter is probably something that you enjoy doing too. Would I be fair to say? Yes. Yeah. I I enjoy making people laugh because. I enjoy laughing so much. Mm. And especially like the family that I come from, we are all very, we love to laugh, which is, I feel like is very common, but we are very loud and obnoxious laughers. And I have gotten that from my mom (laughs) and my aunt. And then even on the other side of my family, my dad was also a very loud laugher to the point where like I could be upstairs in my room as a kid and I would know what show they were watching if I could hear through the door over the sound of my video games, both my parents just like scream laughing. And I have inherited that to where if I am at a church visiting, you know, my friends on staff and it's before service and I laugh hard, they could be in another room in their office and they would text me and be like, well, I know that you're here at church today. Sorry. So I just, yes, I do enjoy laughing a lot. All right. So you mentioned video games. So I got to ask, what video games? Oh boy, I like a video game with a good story. Mm. I like a game. I'm not. I don't want to play competitive because I am a competitive person, but I'm not like good enough 
to be a competitive like i just am frustrated at my own like i feel like if you're confident then your competitiveness makes sense but i'm like bad at stuff but also still competitive <laughs> so it's always just like it just it, anger that i can't do anything about so i like a game with a good story where it's like we have put together an experience for you to have mm. there are cut scenes that are 20 minutes long nice. and get over it like that i wanted to feel like i'm playing a movie so like uncharted like a lot of playstation games for sure uh, i really like that for yeah. sure yeah i tripped into fallout 4 yes. a while back and was immediately pulled in by uh, the storyline the open world even open source facet of that game it was like people are writing mods for this game to make it even more unrealistic i'm like wow <laughs> that's amazing that's absolutely amazing so when you were younger and like i had a nintendo like the original mm -hmm. nes is that a platform that you enjoyed we uh we were a sega family okay i had the sega genesis and then i had a sega dreamcast mm -hmm. um which was i feel like very rare that no i didn't have any other friends who had it and then i was a playstation kid so yeah but it, it i my i always had to go over to a neighbor's house if i wanted to play mario because we never had mario yeah well for me uh, sega dreamcast was like for the uber uh rich people that i knew so uh -oh. <laughs> and that, that's not a, a negative it's just like sega genesis was something that all of my friends had and i never had it so i had to go to their houses to play so i'm totally resonating with you saying you had to travel to play mario i get it i get it who okay i have a question for you who was the kid or was there like a neighborhood kid when you were growing up who like had the very special thing that like that's why everyone was friends with them like it wasn't exactly because they were the greatest kid but they were the kid on the block who had for me it was josh had a trampoline and everybody loved josh's trampoline like we <laughs> everyone spent time at josh's house yeah. for that trampoline so i i lived in apartment complexes for my entire life until i graduated high school and so there was a kid who lived in one of the buildings that I lived in who had the latest, the greatest, like his, his mom would just spend the money, make sure he had it. And like, it was just a magnet, like kids always wanted to be at his place. And at some point you're like, oh man, that, that's cool. And then you're like, uh, shoot, how many people are just kind of hanging out because he has the stuff and you're like reflecting back, you see it clearly, but you're in the middle of it. Uh, it's just amazing what you can't see sometimes. So trampoline for you. Well, and what's funny is even Josh knew hmm. at the time because he would use it. He would be like, uh, can you play today? And I'd be like, no, I can't. I got homework. What about later? No, I have to eat dinner with my family. You can come jump on the trampoline, and I was like, "Hey, man, for real, like I can't, I can't." But it's just like we can watch, uh, we can watch Ace Ventura because I wasn't allowed to watch Ace Ventura at my house, but he had it on VHS, and I was like, "No, please!" He's just trying to like buy my friendship with all the cool stuff he had. You know, I, I see flashes of that in a couple of the friends that I ran with growing up. Like the stuff was used kind of as friend bait. Can we say that? Like, please. Yeah. Oh yeah. Here's my stuff. Please come hang out with me. And you're like, oh, 
that's it's it's intriguing. It's intriguing. Um, yeah. So, what is kind of a moment in your life that, as you reflect on it, you're like, "Man, this this was a pretty funny or epic moment in the life of Taylor Johnson." So I that question usually like when I because people like ask me that like what is a funny moment from your life and I try to think of a more obscure one because I have stories that I tell in my stand-up that are like funny moments like uh, when I was in high school I was at camp uh, youth camp during worship I got really excited about Jesus and I wanted to show God how much I loved him so I ripped my shirt off <laughs> for Jesus that's like a thing that I did and I tell that story in my stand-up um, yes. after my first kiss I uh, looked at the girl and I said, well, that takes care of that, which yeah. is not romantic at all. Die hard, but romantic. <laughs> yes. But I, there is a moment that like I think about, and I don't know, I don't even know if I'm going to do it justice explaining it, but like, I love humor, and especially I love humor in places where people don't think that it belongs. Mm. I like, in darker or heavier parts of life, there are still really humorous moments. Right. And I love to like use laughter to talk about or to like, you know, bridge the gap to more uncomfortable topics because like it releases tension. Right. It releases some of the pressure of these conversations if it can be a little bit more lighthearted. And so like when you find yourself in one of those places where you're not allowed to laugh, it makes everything so much funnier. Right. And my dad passed away uh, at the end of 2019 mm -hmm. in December. Yeah. We waited until January of 2020 to have his memorial service because we wanted to make sure all of the family could come in and be there. And my dad was a Vietnam vet mm. um, towards the end of his life uh, being on um, uh, being on the military health insurance, uh, VA. Mm -hmm. um, was incredibly helpful for my parents, for my mom and respite care. My dad had Alzheimer's. And so at my dad's memorial service, my mom wanted to honor his military service because that was just like, it was such a huge help and she wanted to honor that. And so she reached out uh, to the army to have a flag folding ceremony at the beginning of the service. Mm -hmm. We weren't going to be burying him. And so usually sometimes they'll do that, you know, out at the the grave site or uh, for us, we wanted to do it in the church and it was going to start off the service and we would have his ashes up on stage and two military men would, you know, do the flag folding and whatnot. And then the rest of service would begin. Mm -hmm. I should have known there was something wrong when the two men showed up to do the flag folding ceremony and they checked in with my mom, who was running everything, and then they went to the parking lot to practice. What? And I thought, huh, why do they need to practice this thing? This, and, 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 and then I saw why. Oh, my goodness. Because it looked as if these men had never seen a flag before. I know no that, like, any sort of, like military ceremony is like so precise and there's a lot of when you look up, when you look down, how you do your arms. These dudes took 20 minutes what? to fold the flag. We are all sitting there in time. No one has introduced, hey, coming to the stage now. <laughs> no one knows. Just two men have come up 
and they've started doing this in dead silence for 20 and now afterwards uh, several vets were in the audience and they told us they had never seen a flag folding ceremony go on for that long they had never seen one be that insane they must have screwed something up or something went wrong and they just had to keep going and keep going and like Every five minutes, my brain would remember what was happening. Just And it was just so hard not oh to laugh. Oh, my goodness. Because I knew if my dad was there, yep. he would be making fun of it. <laughs> like, he would be. And so I was just picturing my dad's voice in my head the whole time. And just like, it is dead silent. It is so serious. I am on the front row. These men have been folding a flag for 20 minutes. It is going no on far way. too long, and I am just shaking. I want to laugh so hard. Oh, my goodness. That is unbelievable. Now, what was it like uh, having a father who proudly served our country in the military, was involved in a very complex engagement because part of the country... I was very much uh, against it vocally, and at the front end of the war was very different than the the end than the back end of the war. So, what part of the war did your dad serve in? So, uh, my dad was one of those um, we don't talk about it sort of guys, yeah. and not like it wasn't even a thing that I like brought up. Um, it, it took me a long time before I finally found out that well, not found, found out like it was a secret or anything, mm -hmm. but just like, it was just never anything that I asked about. My dad was drafted. Okay. Um, my dad was, uh, in college for like a week. He, uh, it was like his freshman year. He started college and then thought, well, I don't want to do this. He was a radio DJ before he went to college in high school and then out of high school and. And he was like, I could just be a radio, radio DJ. Why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. So he dropped out of college. And shortly after that, the draft was uh, instated. And like, if you weren't a college student, you were more likely to get picked. Right. And so he got picked. And I remember in high school, I had to do a project for Veterans Day. And I uh, had to like ask my dad about his military service. And it was the first time I finally asked, like, were you scared? Hmm. And he was like, yes, of course I was scared. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to do that. They've made me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so what branch did your dad serve in? He was uh, in uh, the Army. Okay. And, and he was uh, in the like radio, television, and film. So like uh, doing like news reports um, for their like Army TV. I don't I think. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Well, I am always grateful for our service men and service women. And I have family who are currently active. Uh, have an uncle who's served in uh, Desert Shield in the Air Force. And I have wow. two cousins that I'm super proud of who are active duty Air Force right now. And so just quick shout out to my cousins. You guys are awesome. Yeah, super thankful for y'all. And it's just America is a very special country. We are full of flaws. We have so much further to go as far as righting wrongs and advancing justice. But there's part of me that it's like, man, I'm so proud to be a part of this imperfect union that is the United States of America. And having a all-volunteer military is what makes this experiment called the United States of America such a compelling 
I don't even know what the right word is. You know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like it's such, it's such a unique, um, existence because on the face of the planet, is there, is there anything else exactly like the United States of America? And I love how unique each and every country on the, the planet is. It's, they're all super amazing and God absolutely loves each and every person on each and every continent and each and every country. And in that fabric that we call global citizenry, it's super special for me to kind of reflect on where I live. I didn't choose to be born here. <laughs> and But here I is, you know, using improper English, uh, proud to be an American. So um, you mentioned your dad and you referenced his passing. And so first, um, you know, my sincerest uh, apologies. So sorry for that loss. Um, it's been over a year now. And are you are you comfortable kind of sharing what that journey might have been like? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my dad uh, had Alzheimer's and uh, it was about probably eight years uh, between his diagnosis and him passing. My mom was his main caregiver hmm. and was like there for him, like every step of the way. And then eventually my dad also was diagnosed with Parkinson's as well. And so like a lot more of the physical side was also going wow. um, a as well as the mental side in his memory. Yeah. And uh, since I was traveling full time, the entire time my dad had Alzheimer's, uh, my schedule was incredibly flexible. So I could you know, drive down to San Antonio where my parents lived and um, help out anytime my mom needed it. If she needed to go out of town for a trip or just like get away or whatever, I could go down and, and spend time with my dad. Mm -hmm. And my dad, like, he, I don't know, we, we were never like close. Um, like he was always there in the house, but like I never knew anything about him. Like it was mm -hmm. weird to learn about his past. Like my brain had to remember like, oh wait, he was a kid once like right. he wasn't just born at 40 and like had me and has always had a goatee like that. <laughs> oh, he has a life before me. Like, I don't know. So it's just yeah. so much about him that I just didn't know. I never felt close with him until uh, the Alzheimer's because hmm. um, my dad like kept people at a distance. And uh, my mom was really the only person who really fully knew him. Wow. But Alzheimer's like took that choice away from him hmm. in a good way. And he like, he would have to trust me and rely on me. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't hide when he was nervous or confused or scared. And I got to see that part of him, a part of him that I didn't even know was there, but had always been there, just he was able to hide it more. Mm -hmm. And I am grateful for the time that I had with my dad um, while taking care of him. Uh, which I know that like that to most people, that sounds crazy to say that like you're grateful for the time that your dad had Alzheimer's. Mm. I am though. Like I could see how God used it. And wow. like, I don't know. It, it just, it is a very meaningful time. Like it completely changed my relationship with my dad. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's super important that we kind of camp there for just a, a moment because personally having gone through uh, the loss of my daughter, for example, yeah. uh, walking alongside of my amazing wife, who there are some some health issues there, and then 
uh, personally having Bell's palsy, where literally half my face went on strike <laughs> for five months, and that was pretty challenging. You nailed something that I think we need to talk more about culturally, and that is discovering the, the, the blessing and the burden. Discovering, as uh, Reggie Dabbs, he's uh, just one of the most uh, amazing communicators, a gift, really, to this kind of season of not just our, our American story, but the gentleman travels the globe and he just shares his story and he brings hope to people worldwide as well. And he says, you know, you know, God plants a present in every pain. Mm. And you, you, you captured it so well in the paradoxical tension of this is not an ideal situation. This is not what any of us are willingly choosing. It chose us. And this is full of things that I can thank God for. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And like the aspect that I've been thinking about a lot recently and, and, and that I'm writing about right now mm -hmm. is uh, we don't talk about in America at least, how special and beautiful it is when someone needs you. Hmm. Because like, okay, so I've been watching a lot of anime lately, okay. um, <laughs> which I, I'm it's nerdy, I know, but I have been watching a lot of anime and when you watch entertainment from another culture, it starts to point out uh, the differences between cultures and mm -hmm. anime comes from Japan. And so what are the things that Japan uh, uh, highlights as important what what and then compare that to like what America does and, and you see it in the types of stories that they choose to tell whereas like in America the story of a hero is the story of a lone one person who is an underdog and is going to rise to the occasion and do something incredible and all the people in their life their role is to believe in them hmm. and that's it you are their cheerleader you're rooting them on you don't need anything from them you're just there to be supportive and then the person does the thing and everyone cheers the hero wins it's wonderful wow. in anime over and over again i never see that story i see the opposite story the hero's motivation is not everyone believes in me the hero's motivation is there's someone who needs me. Hmm. There's someone who's relying on me. There's someone who I have to do this for them. And it's not really even about what I want to do. It's about the responsibility that I have for the to the people that I love. Wow. And like in America, we want to be so independent. We want to be so cut off from other people. We don't want to think that we owe anything to anyone right. or that we're responsible for anything. Mm -hmm. on it. And like you see it in the advice that people give in self-help. It's just all about like cutting people from your life if they're not adding to your life. Wow. If they're not if they're not rooting you on, if they're not doing stuff for you, then you don't need them. But like they might need you. Wow. Like my dad would have made a terrible cheerleader. Like he wouldn't have looked good in the outfit. He can't kick very high. But also, he had Alzheimer's. <laughs> right, right, right. It, there was there was that much. He needed me, and there was times where I was sacrificing getting to travel or getting to hang out with friends or doing stuff because my mom needed me. My mom needed me to go down for a weekend. Mm. And like, we can see that as like a burden or like, oh, that's dragging you down. And wouldn't it be great if you could just cut ties and do whatever you want at any time? No, like 
I I am so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. In fact, even now, like it sounds weird, I miss it. I will have dreams about my dad, and in some of the dreams he's healthy, and in some of the dreams it's him when he's sick. And I like the dreams where he's sick more hmm. because it reminds me of that really special time. Wow. And like I'm sure the same is true with you and like it, helping out your wife and helping out your family that like those times are difficult and a lot of times they're difficult because of how much you're having to do for someone else. Mm -hmm. But there's like a level of intimacy, a level of love and appreciation that comes with caring for someone Mm -hmm. that like you don't get any other way. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You are capturing so much so eloquently. And I think uh, one thing that I've learned along the way, walking alongside of uh, my bride and just reflecting on who Christ is in my life. Like, who is he? And what did he do while he was on earth? What I'm discovering, uh, I am most like Christ when I'm meeting the need of the world around me. Everywhere, yes. je- everywhere Jesus went, he's meeting needs. Yeah. And he's, he's becoming what the world around him needs in the moment. He's a defender to the woman caught in adultery. He's literally, he saved her from death. And we can debate whether it was a setup or not all day long. But in that moment, he's a defender. And then he's, he's mercy to her. And then in other moments, he's McDonald's on steroids. He's just handing out food left and right. It's like more efficient than anything the world has ever seen before. And coming, along, coming alongside of somebody else in their season of need is such a, a beautiful, uh, uncomfortable uh, privilege that I think you are, you're capturing something. We don't appreciate that enough in our country. Yeah, and like, I, I think that uh, Jesus' prayer in the garden before he's arrested is such a beautiful moment because it is a moment where Jesus is wrestling with the temptation to be independent. Right. The, 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 there's that temptation to do what you want to do, to not be tied down with like, what, what, what good will it do Jesus to save all these people? Like, what will he get out of it that he would not be able to give himself? Nothing. There's no real reward in it for him. Right. Except to like be obedient and like, I mean, to our eyes, we are willing to sacrifice for so much less but Jesus still says, like, at the end of it, no, not my will, but yours be done. Wow. This is, I'm willing to tie myself to these people. Right. Holy smokes. That's, that's well said, Taylor. So as you kind of reflect on what fills your tank, because I have to imagine walking alongside of your dad for that season uh, really was taxing in some, in some moments. Uh, how did you maintain hope? In that season, um, I think that I th- so I uh, when I travel and speak, I talk a lot about my mental health. Hmm. I, I talk a lot about um, dealing with depression and anxiety, and um, suicidal thoughts in junior high and high school, and even into college and out of college. I, I used to say that I used to say like, "Oh, junior high, high school, college." If I'm being honest, it was out of co- I don't know why I, I put that limit on it, mm-hmm. um, but. I think that dealing with that has kind of helped me 
to see that like nothing lasts forever. Hmm. And I feel like that is that is very helpful. Like there would be times when um, my depression would be really bad and I would just have to remind myself like this will be over soon. Like no matter how bad it feels, this does not last forever. This wow. ends, this ends, this ends. And so I think like always looking forward to the future. Yeah. Um, always having, you know, times to get away, times to refresh because like I can't be a help to my dad if I'm a disaster myself. And so I had friends who knew me really well, who I could talk to and, and who would, who would let the conversation or the hangout be whatever it needed to be. Yeah. If I needed it to be about my dad, they were totally cool with that. If I just needed it to be fun and a distraction and a chance to feel normal for a couple of hours, they were willing to do that. They weren't going to like be like the whole time, like, no, Taylor, come on. We got to talk about it. Like, no, no, please. I've been talking about it nonstop. Like I never had to like fight against that. They were just, a, they were always so flexible with me with like what I, I have a couple of friends who, if I would reach out to them, the first thing they would say is, what do you need? Wow. Like, do you need me to come? Do you need me to call you? Do you just need someone that you can complain to for 30 minutes? Like, what do you need in this moment? Because I know there's not one size fit all answer, but like, I'm willing to be there with you. Wow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Last question. Yes. Who are you proud of right now? Oh, who am I proud of? I have a friend, his name is Isaac Gutierrez, and he started a music blog just for fun, almost like by accident. He just started a website meaning for it to be something else, and then it just slowly turned into him interviewing bands. And it was never anything that he was trying to make money off of. It wasn't something he was trying to make his career. It was just something he did for fun, which was like totally foreign to me in my brain because like if I f can figure out anything that I can do I want to immediately figure out how I can turn it into my job right like, I, I like traveling and speaking how do I do that all the time I like writing how can I do that all the yeah. time and get paid to do like that like I get so wrapped up and like how can I make this my entire life hmm. but he just made it like a fun thing and he would just reach out to bands on Twitter and DM them and say hey can I interview you and 30 of them would say no. And then one would say yes. Nice. And then he would just keep doing it. And he would like find small bands and he would find brand new bands that nobody had heard about me before. But he was good at spotting bands right before they hit it big. Nice. And so he would interview them. And then a little while later, they become huge. And he didn't tell his friends he was doing this. Hmm. He didn't self promote so much, like trying to make it become huge. Like he did not care about the numbers. He just cared about it being a chance to like interview bands that he liked. Nice. Cause he would just reach out to bands that he liked and his, in, in his interviews are incredibly stupid. He asks <laughs> the dumbest questions. He does it on purpose, <laughs> but he just like loves to like make it silly and over the top and like, the least professional interview you would ever see. That's awesome. And I am blown away by like how big he's gotten it to be. He's mm. like got, he's let me interview a couple of bands that I really, really love. Nice. And like, you'd just be like, Hey, you want to interview them? And like, I get to talk to this band I've loved since high school. <laughs> and he's, he just does it for fun. Wow. And I feel like in the world of the side hustle, 
it's beautiful to see that like my friend has a hobby hmm. and he's not trying to like grind it so hard it becomes huge he's not trying to like he does this because he likes it and it's fun right and in a world where everyone is just trying to like hustle and like how do i make money off the internet it's refreshing it's refreshing to see that like not everything has to be that and he's that. like he's doing something so cool and it's not even his full-time job he just does it on the side for fun and i'm so proud of that man i love that i absolutely love that story because um, when you're doing something you love it's super cliche right you'll never work a day in your life <laughs> mm. whoever wrote that is missing out on a, a lot of royalties because people have <laughs> said that a lot but it's true i think there's a joy in in the work when it's not mandatory like when you can just kind of lose yourself in something fun and so mad props mad props to your friend because uh that's that's awesome uh, taylor i i can't thank you enough for making the time to have this conversation today. I know I was enriched just by hearing you share your story. Um, I'm inspired to look again at the more difficult stretches of my life to discover the blessing and the burden. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. In life, you're going to have conversations that stick with you long after the final syllable echoes off the walls in the room. And for me, that conversation with Taylor is going to be one of those conversations. The insight that Taylor shared with us is simply compelling. The reason why is this, it is so counter cultural. Think about that. When was the last time we culturally pushed people to love others when it's ridiculously hard. Or maybe think about it this way. How often do the songs that we listen to, the media that we consume, elevate the noble root of the true definition of what it means to love somebody. And Taylor highlighted very brilliantly the tension that everybody on this planet wrestles with. Because if you love somebody, it is going to cost you. You can give without loving but it is impossible to love without giving. And God went first. We read in the gospel narrative that he loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but they'd have everlasting life. And it should come as no surprise that everything that Jesus invites his followers into is something that he has already done. And so as you think through those in your life, the easy to love and the difficult to love, 
I want to encourage you to flip the script today, to reject the cultural narrative of really the Holy Trinity in American culture, which is me, myself, and I first. The way of the cross, the path of the Christ, the one who is and is to come is so much better because when you love someone past the point of your comfort zone you are embodying something that no one else can give to them it can't be downloaded it can't be purchased in a store there is something profoundly exponentially and supernaturally moving about sacrificial love. And so if you are in a situation today where you're walking alongside of somebody and you're exhausted because love gives, I want to encourage you to make sure you're taking care of yourself. Mental health professionals say that great self-care requires the three R's, which would be rest, relief, and relationships. And it's okay for you to take care of yourself. It's okay for you to stop, pause, recharge, so you can then relaunch yourself into your world. My hope for all of us is that we would live like Jesus, we would love like Jesus, we would walk like Jesus, and we would talk like Jesus. Because the truth is, this world does not need more of me. It doesn't need more of humanity. It needs more of divinity. It needs the presence of the everlasting God to advance powerfully, steadfastly, and unrelentingly forward so that the gates of hell would be rendered into dust and blow away into the wind like fine powder. So let's make today count. Let's not wait for another person to go first in the rhythm of love. Let's lead the way and watch God do what only he can do. Thank you one million plus one billion for joining me on today's conversation with Taylor Johnson. It was an enriching conversation to say the least, and I'm grateful for Taylor. I want to encourage you to go to Amazon and to pick up Taylor's latest book. It's called In the All Together, Trusting God with All We Hide from the World. It is an honest and uh, at some points comedic look at life that maybe will be exactly what you've been looking for. It's a good, good book. Make sure you click on the link in the show notes, take a look at the book and get that headed your way today. And then make sure you listen to Taylor's podcast. I've linked the episode that was recorded just after the one year mark of his dad's memorial service. And in that episode, he gets to have a conversation with his mom 
you'll get to discover how she is processing life as a new widow and how she is just making it. It's refreshing, it's encouraging, and worth a listen. Thank you again for the privilege of being a voice in your very busy, fast-paced world. It is absolutely awesome that you would let me be a part of your journey today. Now, if you have a friend of yours that would benefit from listening to this episode, why don't you send it their way? Just let them know, hey, Dan thinks that you would benefit from this. And they're going to say, who's Dan? And you could say, exactly. Go check it out. It's pretty awesome. Now, lastly, and never ever leastly, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. And may his face shine forever brightly upon you.